Welcome to the September 16th, 2018 edition of the BitcoinNews.com daily radio show. We cover the biggest stories of Bitcoin, blockchain, and cryptocurrency every single day, forever, until the end of the universe. You can count on us being here. This is your host, Space Marine, live from the rings of Saturn. And this is Space Cadet. What is up, everybody? Bitcoin is at $6,500. Space Marine, take us through the analysis. Affirmative Space Cadet. Bitcoin is steady at $6,500 today. And Bitcoin was as low as $6,100 on September 9th. And then it rose slightly to the level it is at now. And this before this, it was at $7,500 in early September before crashing all at once. Down to, well, $6,100. So it's risen a little bit. I wouldn't call this a rally of any sort. A $400 increase over the course of like a week is not a rally. It's just like a steady, stable. That's more stable for Bitcoin than anything. It's not even volatile or a rally or anything. Now for our first story. Williams percentage range indicates Bitcoin is oversold. Space Marine. Affirmative Space Cadet. So the Williams percentage range is a technical analysis oscillator and it indicates market momentum. It was developed by Larry Williams. And basically, it takes the highest high minus the current Bitcoin price. They say the closing price, but Bitcoin doesn't have a close like the stock markets do. It's always open. So it's the highest price minus the Bitcoin price divided by the highest high minus the lowest low times negative 100. So it basically compares Bitcoin's range of prices from the highest high to the lowest low to the current price. And it finds the momentum based on that. And uh, the wealthiest percentage range has gained notoriety and use because it's good at predicting market reversals. So for the first time in a long time, it's gone down to negative 83%. And how it works is the Williams percentage between negative 80 and negative 100 indicates oversold conditions. Oversold means that it's been sold below the equilibrium level. Like it's way, it's oversold. So people will probably buy it in the future and the price will go up. And then when it's between negative 20 and zero, that means it's overbought and will probably go down because people will sell it. So right now it's oversold and it's generally a good practice to combine the willing percentage range with other indicators. And one indicator we keep talking about on the show is like the support level of $1,500. So Bitcoin has slightly risen off the support level. It keeps crashing into this level around 6000 or 5800 and now it's slightly risen above that to 6500 So the fact that it's rising plus this willing percentage range... It, might indicate that a market reversal is starting to occur or about to occur. And also the relative strength index is at 45 right now. And when it's lower than 30, that indicates oversold conditions. So it's not like in official oversold territory, but it's fairly low. It's been as low as 35 in the past few days or even the past week or so. Now for our next story. Bitcoin Whale Watch, USD 380 million leaves. Number one Bitcoin wallet in only four days. Space Marine. Affirmative Space Cadet. So the number one Bitcoin wallet, it currently has 170,500 Bitcoins. And the remarkable thing about this is they sent out 58,550 Bitcoins worth $380 million in only four days. And this is highly unusual. I looked at their blockchain record because every Bitcoin transaction is recorded on the blockchain. I looked at the records... And this is very unusual. They don't have outflows like this very often or at all. So they sent out $380 million, but they're still the number one Bitcoin wallet. And they have 170,500 Bitcoins worth $1.11 billion. This Bitcoin wallet is definitely owned by Bitfinex. It's their cold storage wallet. 
There's hot wallets, and then there's cold storage. Bitfinex is the biggest USD exchange, fiat to US, well, crypto to USD exchange in the world. And so it makes sense that they have the biggest wallet. Even though there's bigger exchanges like Huobi and Binance and OKX, Bitfinex has the biggest wallet, and that's their cold storage. And the hot wallet has the coins for the exchange. Like, people, when people are trading coins, like buying and selling, and then they withdraw coins, it comes out of the hot wallet. But then there's an excess of coins, because so many people use Bitfinex and leave their coins on there long term. That Bitfinex moves the coins to cold storage just to keep them totally safe where they can't be hacked because they're disconnected to the internet. So, they moved a bunch of coins out of their cold storage wallet, and people are speculating. There's always speculation. This is called Whale Watch for Bitcoin. People, whenever they see a massive movement of Bitcoins out of a wallet like this, people think a dump might be coming. That's usually the number one speculation. And this is possible if the coins are going from the cold wallet, the cold storage, to the hot wallet. Because if they're going from cold storage to the hot wallet, that means they're going back to the exchange and then someone might dump them there. But there's no signs of that yet. All the outflow from this wallet occurred, it was completed by September 13th. And I wrote the article three days after that. And no sort of dumping of this level occurred. The 58,500 Bitcoins moved out of the wallet, but there's been no dump like that on Bitfinex. Another possibility is it's actually quite the opposite. Someone might be pulling their coins out of Bitfinex to hold them in expectation of a long-term market rise. And there's no way to prove either way what's going on. And another possibility is this is actually just Bitfinex moving coins around in their own system for management reasons. Maybe they're making their hot wallets more liquid and it has nothing to do with the customers moving coins. Or maybe they're preparing for like a business deal, like an acquisition or something. But no one knows. This is just all speculation. People love to speculate about this whale watch stuff. One remarkable thing about it is these $380 million of Bitcoin were sent for a fee of only $120 total. And this was with Bitfinex way overpaying. They were paying like $7 or $20 per transaction. Because it was, it was split up in like maybe like 10 transactions or even more. But they only paid $120 of fees, and that was with way overpaying for security reasons. They don't have to overpay. They could have paid a dollar per transaction and done this all for 10 or 20 bucks. But even at $120 of fees, that comes out to a fee of 0.00000315%, which is extremely minuscule. And no fiat payment network in the world, like credit cards or banks or anything involving fiat, has fees that low. If you were to send a wire transfer for a bank, it would probably cost over a million, maybe several million dollars to send 380 million. With Bitcoin, it costs just 100 bucks if you're overpaying. They could have done it for 10 or 20 dollars. So this just goes to show Bitcoin's very, very cheap when it comes to sending large amounts of money. Now for our next story. Bitcoin annual returns show long-term profitability. Space Marine. Affirmative Space Cadet. So someone posted on Twitter, Bitcoin's annual returns. And I don't know what data they used for this. I double-checked it and verified it with Bitstamp data. But what they said is that Bitcoin increased by 1,400% in 2011, and then it increased by almost 200% in 2012, and increased by 5,500% in 2013. 2013 was when Bitcoin increased to $1,000 for the first time. And then 2014, there was a bear market that started after Bitcoin went over $1,000. It just went into a bear market for a long time. It went down 58% in 2014, according to this guy's figures. By the way, the guy that did this is Charlie Bellello. He's a financial expert. He runs the ATAC Rotation Fund, and he's a director of research at Pension Partners. And then in 2015, Bitcoin was still in a bear market most of that year. It went up a little towards then, so it was up 35% on that year, which is very weak for Bitcoins. If, if Bitcoin's going up, that's a very weak return. It's almost like stable. 
But it, yeah, that's when I was um that's when I got involved with Bitcoin. I got involved right after that thousand dollar rally, and it went down. It was just a bear market for a long time. It went down from a thousand to like one hundred and fifty or even like a hundred dollars in some spots. And this is very similar to what's going on now. So, like, if you go further, 2016, it increased by over 100%. That was the beginning of the big rally. 2017, it increased by 1,300%, according to these figures. And that was the rally to $20,000. And then this year, year to date, he says it's negative 54%. And it's very striking and obvious that when Bitcoin goes up a ton, like over 1,000% in a year, it usually goes down the next year. So that's what we're in now in 2018. It's gone up a ton in 2017. Now it's going down, and it's totally normal. I had to verify this, though. So I calculated from Bitstamp data, and Bitstamp was one of the longest-running USD exchanges, so it does go back to 2012, at least. It doesn't go back to 2011, or and Bitcoin started in 2009. In 2009, there was, like, no exchange rate most of the year. In 2010, there was barely an exchange rate. Like, there was the Bitcoin pizza in 2010, where someone sold 10,000 Bitcoins for, like, a pizza, and that can... You could calculate an exchange rate from that as, like, three-tenths of a cent per Bitcoin, I believe. But anyways, 2011 is like the first year there was really like an exchange, and then 2012 is what, when Bitstamp started. So I calculated that it's 145% increase in 2012, 6,500% in 2013. So that's like a thousand percent different than this guy on Twitter's calculations. There's a lot of diversions, and then negative 70% in 2014. So my figures show that 2014 was more severe than what this guy calculated. And then it went up 56% in 2015, 116% in 2016, 1600% in 2017. And once again, this is like, this is 300% more than Charlie Bellello's calculation. And then negative 59% in 2018 so far, and that's like pretty close to his figures. So there's diversions from his calculations, but the trend is the same. And the whole point of this story is actually to show Bitcoin long-term has extreme profitability. Bitcoin is up tremendously long-term. There's like several years where Bitcoin's gone up over a thousand percent since 2011. Several, more than two, three. So, and then there's a couple other years where it went up over a hundred percent. So that's pretty remarkable. No other asset class has any returns like that. Like a really good year on the stock market, you might get like 10 or 20% on the best year ever. And then it would probably be followed by a massive crash because like someone's cheating the market if it goes up 20%. So it crashes like 50%. After that, with Bitcoin, it's been going up a ton. And it has, like, similar problems to the stock market in that regard. I don't want to say Bitcoin's not like that. Like, if Bitcoin goes up too much, it will go down, too, because it's like a bubble situation. Stocks have bubbles, so does Bitcoin. But Bitcoin bubbles are way more wild because the market's smaller and less regulated. But the whole point of this story is that Bitcoin's extremely profitable long-term. And also, if Bitcoin goes up over 1,000% in a year, it's probably going to go down the next year in a correction. Now for our final story of the show. The rise of centralized cryptocurrency, Space Marine. Affirmative Space Cadet. So centralized cryptocurrencies are becoming more popular. The reason I wrote this article is because the Gemini dollar was just released by the Gemini Exchange. And Gemini is headquartered, I believe, in New York City, really right next to Wall Street. They're branded as, like, the crypto exchange to work with Wall Street. And they're run by the Bank of Oz twins, who have, like, a tremendous amount of Bitcoin. And they have a lot of power, even though they're a small exchange. So they launched their own stablecoin. The Gemini dollar is just, it's at parity with the U.S. dollar, and it's stable at that. But the point of this is they could freeze accounts for the Gemini dollar. They could freeze the entire supply of the Gemini dollar. And they could print infinite Gemini dollars because they have centralized control. Of course, all this is going to be audited by the government all the time. So they wouldn't be able to just print infinite Gemini dollars. They'd have to have money back in it or they'd get in trouble. They would not... I don't think the Gemini exchange would ever like fraudulently do that. But they do have the power to do that. Um, 
And it's kind of disturbing that they, they, the entire supply could be frozen. So if the U.S. government decides they don't like what's happening with the Gemini dollar, they could tell them to shut it down, and they literally just have an off switch. So this is kind of the dangerous cryptocurrency to use. And also, if for some reason you're targeted by them, if they say you're money laundering, even if you're not, they could freeze your account, and you can't do anything about it. So this is not... Like, it's not like Bitcoin. Bitcoin can never be frozen. Bitcoin is immutable and decentralized. And immutable means its payments can't be reversed. Its accounts can't be frozen. That's a really good thing about Bitcoin. It's great for business because of that. Because banks and PayPal and stuff like that is so used to just freezing people's accounts, like, all the time. Even for legitimate businesses. Like, everyone that's ever used PayPal has had their account frozen if they've had successful business on PayPal. It's like everyone. So... It's not good to work with a system where you can get frozen. Same with banks. If you do like $100,000 of transactions of a bank and you're just a small business, they'll probably freeze your account and probably close it too and keep the money for like six months. So this is just very similar to a bank. It's a cryptocurrency, definitely. It's a blockchain-based currency that's cryptographically secure, but at the same time, it's centralized. And these are actually really easy to create. Like this is an ERC-20 token. And... If you want to, in the ERC-20 standard, it's easy to create a centralized cryptocurrency where you have full control of Gemini Dollar. They have all the controls possible for centralization. And they're not the only ones. They're actually based off of Tether. We talked about Tether before, maybe like way in the past. The Tether is the USDT, and it's at parity with the US Dollar. It's the most popular stablecoin. It has a market cap of $2.76 billion, which means there's $2.76 billion coins because each one's worth a dollar. And they can also freeze accounts and reverse transactions, kind of. Basically, they could fork. Like, I don't think they have direct access. They might. But the one case was, like, $30 million of Tether was stolen in a hack. And then they did a hard fork and reversed that hack. So that's, like, that makes Tether not immutable. I don't think they have, like, as much control as Gemini. But they definitely have control. They could do whatever they want to fork. And they're the only ones, like, that control the blockchain. So it's it's centralized. And then EOS, we talked about EOS on the past show at least one or two times. They have a centralized organization of block producers that have like meetings every day at least because it has a big market cap of $4.84 billion. So the block producers are constantly working together because they're in control of the whole blockchain. And they kind of carteled it. Like there's no block producers that are out of line as far as I know. Like they're all working together completely. And they could decide not to mine blocks for a certain account. So, like, if a certain wallet says, I'm going to send a transaction, but then they've decided that wallet is hacked or something's wrong with it or something, like, they don't like it, they don't have to accept any transactions from it, and that's how they freeze accounts with it. So, EOS has centralized control of their blockchain, and also, since the block producers completely control the mining for EOS, they could just change the whole thing whenever they want, honestly. So, we got three cryptocurrencies here. Two of them are major. Tether and EOS are in the top 10 by market cap of cryptocurrencies, and they're centralized. And then we have the People's Bank of China. And remember, China banned fiat to Bitcoin and crypto trading, especially for the Chinese yuan. So, the Chinese fiat currency cannot be traded for Bitcoin or crypto inside their country or anywhere. It's illegal anywhere to do that. But the People's Bank of China is going to launch their own Chinese national cryptocurrency. And it'll probably be very popular because Bitcoin trading for fiat's like banned. So, this will be a very popular cryptocurrency. But they already detailed how they're going to have it be centralized. They're going to be able to freeze accounts and print as much as they want, just like the Gemini dollar. It's going to be probably a lot more major news than the Gemini dollar, though. It'll be a big deal, but it might actually be a bad thing to have such a big cryptocurrency be centralized. And by the way, China has, like, rankings for coins. They've ranked EOS as the number one cryptocurrency, like, way above Bitcoin, which doesn't make any sense, but it's obvious because EOS is, like, the biggest cryptocurrency that's centralized. So it's pretty obvious that they're going to make a cryptocurrency. It's going to be centralized. 
And why are people making all these centralized cryptocurrencies when decentralized cryptocurrencies are much better? It's because of government regulations. Like corporations like Gemini have a much easier time. And also Tether. They have much easier times like getting approval for what they need to do if they just make it centralized because then the government could come to them for any problem and they could just freeze accounts and reverse transactions and they don't get in trouble. So the U.S. government doesn't really want to approve. Like they banned like the ICOs pretty much. Not completely. There's some loopholes. But the U.S. government does not want to approve any more decentralized cryptos, pretty much. Like, now every crypto has to go through approval and with the SEC and other organizations of the U.S. government. And they're probably not going to approve anything but centralized cryptocurrencies. And this actually puts any new cryptocurrency at a serious disadvantage. Like, no one's going to want to use these. Because, like, the news is going to find out. Like, Bitcoin News found out about Chairman Dollar. And that was because another news site found out about it. People aren't going to choose these centralized cryptos over the decentralized ones. So the decentralized ones that already exist and are running, you can't get rid of them, they're going to be the more popular ones. And we're probably going to have some time, maybe years, where no really good cryptocurrencies come out because the governments have totally stomped on it. But of course, the U.S. government isn't everywhere. There are countries like Malta, maybe the Cayman Islands or something, I don't know. There's other like offshore countries, like little island countries, that you're allowed to do anything. So we're going to have good cryptocurrencies maybe like launching in offshore nations like that. But as far as the United States is concerned, they've totally strangled any good development of a decentralized crypto anymore. That's all we have for you today on the September 16th, 2018 edition of the BitcoinNews.com daily radio show. Go to BitcoinNews.com for the full spectrum of Bitcoin, crypto, and blockchain news. If you read BitcoinNews.com, you will be an expert in no time. This is your host, Space Marine, signing out, activating my ion shield. This is Space Cadet. Thanks for listening. Adios, Adios amigos. amigos.